Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 6, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! says even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright werewolves this is a subject that has caught my fancy and held my attention for many years. I've read many legends of ancient, medieval, and more recent vintage regarding the ability of a man to change his attitude and indeed his body into that of a ravening wolf. In folklore, a werewolf, or sometimes called a lycanthrope, is a human with the ability to shapeshift into a wolf or mixed man-wolf hybrid, either purposely or after being placed under a curse or affliction, often a bite or a scratch from another werewolf, with the transformations occurring on the night of a full moon. Early sources for belief in this ability or affliction, called lycanthropy, are from Petronius and Gervais of Tilbury. The werewolf is a widespread concept in European folklore, existing in many variants, which are related by a common development of a Christian interpretation of underlying European folklore developed during the medieval period. From the early modern period, werewolf beliefs also spread to the New World with colonialism. Belief in werewolves developed in parallel to the belief in witches in the course of the late Middle Ages and the early modern period. Like the witchcraft trials as a whole, the trial of supposed werewolves emerged in what is now Switzerland, especially in the Valais and Vaud, in the early 15th century 
and spread throughout Europe in the 16th, peaking in the 17th, and subsiding in the 18th century. The persecution of werewolves and the associated folklore is an integral part of the witch hunt phenomenon, albeit a marginal one. Accusations of lycanthropy being involved in only a small fraction of witchcraft trials. During the early period, accusations of lycanthropy, which is transformation into a wolf, were mixed with accusations of wolf riding or wolf charming. The case of Peter Stump in 1589 led to a significant peak in both interest in and persecution of supposed werewolves, primarily in French-speaking and German-speaking Europe. The phenomenon persisted longest in Bavaria and Austria, with persecution of wolf charmers recorded until well after 1650. The final cases taking place in the early 18th century in Carinthia and Styria. After the end of the witch trials, the werewolf became of interest in folklore studies and in the emerging gothic horror genre. Werewolf fiction, as a genre, has pre-modern precedence in medieval romances, in generally speaking, Bisclairvet and Guillaume de Palerme, and developed in the 18th century out of the semi-fictional chapbook tradition. The trappings of horror literature in the 20th century became part of the horror and fantasy genre of modern popular culture. The modern English word werewolf descends from the Old English werewolf, just spelled differently. The Greek Vercolikos and Romanian Vercolak designated a more vampire-like creature in Balkan folklores were borrowed from Slavic languages. The name Vertilak, which means ghoul or revenant, first appeared in Russian poet Alexander Pushkin's work Pezny, published in 1835. The source of Pushkin's distinctive form remains debated in scholarship. The modern term lycanthropy comes from ancient Greek leucanthropia, itself from leucanthropos, meaning wolfman. Ancient writers used the term solely in the context of clinical lycanthropy, which is a condition in which the patient imagined himself to be a wolf. Modern writers later used lycanthrope as a synonym of werewolf, referring to a person who, according to medieval superstition, could assume the form of wolves. The European motif of the devilish werewolf devouring human flesh harks back to a common development during the Middle Ages in the context of Christianity, although stories of humans turning into wolves take their roots in earlier pre-Christian beliefs. Their underlying common origin can be traced back to Proto-Indo-European mythology, where lycanthropy is reconstructed 
as an aspect of the initiation of the Koryos warrior class, which may have included a cult focused on dogs and wolves identified with an age grade of young unmarried warriors. The standard comparative overview of this aspect of Indo-European mythology is in Macon, written in 1987. A few references to men changing into wolves are found in ancient Greek literature and mythology. Herodotus, in his histories, wrote that the Nuri, a tribe he places to the northeast of Scythia, were all transformed into wolves once every year for several days and then changed back to their human shape. In the second century BC, the Greek geographer Pausanias related the story of King Lycan of Arcadia, who had sacrificed a child on the altar of Zeus Lycaeus and then fed it to the god. Disgusted, the god turns Lycaon into a wolf. Pausanias also relates the story of an Arcadian man named Demarcus of Parhasia, who was turned into a wolf after tasting the entrails of a human child sacrificed to Zeus Lycaeus. He was restored to human form ten years later and went on to become a, an Olympic champion. According to Pausanias, this is not a one-off event, but that men have been transformed into wolves during the sacrifices to Zeus Lycaeus since the time of Lycaon. If they abstain of tasting human flesh while being wolves, they would be restored to human form nine years later. But if they do taste human flesh, they stay wolves forever. Lycos of Athens was a wolf-shaped hero whose shrine stood by the jury court and the first jurors were named after him. Pliny the Elder recounts another tale of lycanthropy, quoting Euanthes. He mentions that in Arcadia, once a year, a man was chosen by lot from the Anthus clan. The chosen man was escorted to a marsh in the area where he hung his clothes in an oak tree, swam across the marsh, and transformed into a wolf, joining a pack for nine years. If during these nine years he refrained from tasting human flesh, he returned to the same marsh, swam back, recovered his previous human form with nine years added to his appearance. Ovid also relates stories of men who roamed the woods of Arcadia in the form of wolves. Virgil, in his poetic work, Eclogues, wrote about a man named Morris who used herbs and poisons picked in his native Pontus to turn himself into a wolf. In prose, the Satyricon, written around AD 60 by Gaius Patronus Arbiter, one of the characters, Niceros, tells a story at a banquet about a friend who turned into a wolf. He describes the incident as follows. When I look for my friend, I see he had stripped and piled his clothes by the roadside. He peed in a circle around his clothes and then, just like that, turns into a wolf. 
After he turned into a wolf, he started howling and then ran off into the woods. Early Christian authors also mention werewolves. In the City of God, Augustine of Hippo gives an account similar to that found in Pliny the Elder. Augustine explains that it is very generally believed that by certain witches' spells, men may be turned into wolves. Physical metamorphosis was also mentioned in the Capitulatum Episcopi, attributed to the Council of Ancyra in the 4th century, which became the church's doctrinal text in relation to magic, witches, and transformations such as those of werewolves. The Capitulatum Episcopi states that whoever believes that anything can be transformed into another species or likeness except by God himself is beyond doubt an infidel. In these works of Roman writers, werewolves often receive the name versipellis or turnskin. Augustine instead uses the phrase in lupum fuis mutatum, changed into the form of a wolf to describe the physical metamorphosis of werewolves, which is similar to phrases used in the medieval period. There are numerous reports of werewolf attacks and consequent court trials in 16th century France. In some of the cases, there was clear evidence against the accused of murder and cannibalism, but with no association with wolves. In other cases, People have been terrified by such creatures, such as that of Guy Garnier and Dole in 1573, who was convicted of being a werewolf. In Geneva, a man killed 16 children when he had changed himself into a wolf. He was executed on 15 of October, 1580. A peak of attention to lycanthropy came in the late 16th to early 17th century as part of the European witch hunts. A number of treatises on werewolves were written in France during 1595 and 1615. Werewolves were cited in 1598 in Anjou and a teenage werewolf was sentenced to life imprisonment in Bordeaux in 1603. Henry Boguet wrote a lengthy chapter about werewolves in 1602. In the Vaud, werewolves were convicted in 1602 and 1624. A treatise by a Vaud pastor in 1653, however, argued that lycanthropy is merely an illusion. After this, the only further record from the Vaud dates to 1670. It is that of a boy who claimed he and his mother could change themselves into wolves, which was, however, not taken seriously. At the beginning of the 17th century, witchcraft was prosecuted by James I of England, who regarded warwolves as victims of delusion induced by a natural superabundance of melancholic. After 1650, belief in lycanthropy had mostly disappeared from French-speaking Europe, as evidenced in Diderot's encyclopedia, which attributed reports of lycanthropy to a disorder of the brain, 
although there were continuing reports of extraordinary wolf-like beasts, but they were not considered to be werewolves. One such report concerned the well-known beast of Jevadan, which terrorized the general area of the former province of Jevadan, now called Lozère, in south-central France from the year 1764 to 1767. It killed upwards of 60 men, women, and children. The part of Europe which showed more vigorous interest in werewolves after 1650 was the Holy Roman Empire. At least nine works on lycanthropy were printed in Germany between 1649 and 1679. In the Austrian and Bavarian Alps, belief in werewolves persisted well into the 18th century. In any case, as late as in 1853, and Galicia, northwestern Spain, Manuel Blanco Romasanta was judged and condemned as the author of a number of murders, but he claimed to be not guilty because of his condition of lobachon, or werewolf. Until the 20th century, wolf attacks on humans were an occasional but still widespread feature of life in Europe. Some scholars have suggested it was inevitable that wolves, being the most feared predators in Europe, were projected into the folklore of evil shapeshifters. This is said to be corroborated by the fact that areas devoid of wolves typically use different kinds of predator to fill the niche. For instance, in Africa, there were were-hyenas. In India, there were were-tigers, as well as were-pumas and were-jaguars in southern South America. An idea is explored in Sabine Baring Gould's work, The Book of Werewolves, is that werewolf legends may have been used to explain serial killings. Perhaps the most infamous example is the case of Peter Stump, mentioned earlier. He was executed in 1589. The German farmer, an alleged serial killer and cannibal, was also known as the Werewolf of Bedburg. Stump's name has various spellings, Peter Stube, Peter Stubb, Peter Stubby, Peter Stube, or Peter Stumpf and other aliases include such names as Abel Griswold, Abil Griswold, and Ubel Griswold. The name Stump or Stumpf may have been given him as a reference to the fact that his left hand had been cut off, leaving only a stump, or in German, Stumpf. It was alleged that as the werewolf had its left forepaw cut off, then the same injury proved the guilt of the man. Stump was born in the village of Eprath, near the country town of Bedburg, in the electorate of Cologne. His actual date of birth is not known as, as the local church registers were destroyed during the, during the Thirty Years' War of 1618 to 1648. He was a wealthy farmer in his rural community, and during the 1580s he seemed to have been a widower with two children, a girl named Sybil who seems to have been older than 15 and a son of an unknown age. During 1589, Stump had one of the most lurid and most famous werewolf trials in history. After being stretched on a rack and 
Before further torture commenced, he confessed to having practiced black magic since he was 12 years old. He claimed that the devil had given him a magic belt or girdle which enabled him to metamorphose into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. Simply removing the belt, he said, made him transform back to his human self. No such belt was ever found after his arrest. For 25 years, Stump had allegedly been an insatiable bloodsucker who gorged on the flesh of goats, lambs, and sheep, as well as men, women, and children. Being threatened with torture, he confessed to killing and eating 14 children, two pregnant women whose fetuses he had ripped from their wounds and ate their hearts panting hot and raw, which he later described as dainty morsels, and one of the 14 children was his own son, whose brain he was reported to have devoured. Not only was Stump accused of being a serial murderer and cannibal, but also of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter, who was sentenced to die with him, and that he had coupled with a distant relative, which was also considered to be incestuous according to the law. In addition to this, he confessed to having had intercourse with the succubus sent to him by the devil. The execution of Stump, oddly enough, on 31st of October, 1589, alongside his daughter Sybil and mistress Catherine, is one of the most brutal on record. He was put to a wheel where flesh was torn from his body in ten places with red-hot pincers, followed by his arms and legs. Then his limbs were broken with the blunt side of an axe head to prevent him from returning from the grave before he was beheaded and his body burned on a pyre. His daughter and mistress had already been flayed and strangled and were burned along with him. As a warning against similar behavior, local authorities erected a pole with the torture wheel and the figure of a wolf on it. And at the very top, they placed Peter Stump's severed head. From the 1930s up till the present, werewolves have been popular fodder for Hollywood movies. Many movies that featured the werewolf as a savage, mindless beast, intent only on destruction and death. Other movies have portrayed them as poor, misused humans who simply have an affliction that causes them to grow hair all over, get a mouthful of vicious teeth, and slaughter their neighbors, all through no fault of their own. Still other movies have gone for the comic effect. What would happen if, say, a teenage boy went through a lycanthropic transformation right around the onset of puberty? Movies have made great use of the werewolf legend, as they have of ghosts, witches, and vampires. But what of the more recent reports of werewolf-type creatures in the U.S.? What of the beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin? Named for the farm road which it was first allegedly cited, reports of the creature in the 1980s and 1990s prompted a local newspaper, the Walworth County Week, 
to assign reporter Linda Godfrey to cover the story. Godfrey was initially skeptical, but later became convinced of the sincerity of the witnesses. Her series of articles later became a book titled The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. Reports of a similar creature in the neighboring state of Michigan also tell of an alleged wolf-like humanoid, the Michigan Dogman. In Michigan folklore, the Michigan Dogman was allegedly witnessed in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan. The creature is described as a seven-foot-tall, blue-eyed or amber-eyed, bipedal canine-like animal with the torso of a man and a fearsome howl that sounds like a human scream. According to legends, the Michigan Dogman appears in a ten-year cycle that falls on years beginning in seven. Sightings have been reported in several locations throughout Michigan, primarily in the northwest quadrant of the Lower Peninsula. In 1987, the legend of the Dogman gained popularity when disc jockey Steve Cook at WTCM-FM recorded a song appropriately titled The Legend, which he initially played as an April Fool's Day joke. He based the songs on myths and legends from around North America and, and had never heard of an actual Michigan dogman at the time of the recording about the creature and its reported sightings. The song has since been updated a couple of times to keep current and or relevant, I would presume. Oddly enough, sometime after the song came out, the DJ was presented with a roll of movie film. Upon reviewing it, the film revealed it was apparently a home movie, and there were scenes of kids riding old-style snowmobiles, a man working on an older pickup, and then a segment being shot by one of the kids out the window of a moving truck. It even had a shot of the kid holding the camera shown in the side mirror of the truck. Then the vehicle stopped at a little clearing. There was a black lump in the clearing, but it begins, begins to move in a zigzag fashion but towards the cameraman, who beats feet in the opposite direction, as would I. The film ends with what looks like a mouth with very large fangs coming at the lenses. Pretty compelling stuff, huh? It took a while, then a second film showed up, showing an investigation into the death of the previous cameraman, gory entrails and all, for a local man to come forward and admit he'd made both films in response to the song The Legend. So the takeaway is, is the Michigan Dog Man a myth? I can't say for sure. I know I'm fascinated by this story and the Bray Road Beast story, but I have no personal connection to either. Are they good stories? In my opinion, yes. Are they believable? If you have the capacity to believe, then yes, obviously. But there are even more homegrown stories about werewolf-type creatures. Several early American cultures talk in whispered fearful tones about shapeshifters. Some say they are medicine men who can change into any animal shape, but the wolf shape is for creating fear, intimidation, and carnage. Do werewolves exist? 
most people would probably say no, but I think there's a kernel of truth somewhere in the legend. Remember, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Pleasant dreams. <laughs>